Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You've got a Ferrari oh. pen. Yes, it's a great pen. You've got a Ferrari pen. Well, make sure you use it the right way around. Does um, it work? <laughs> <laughs> It does. It might be the only thing working in the Ferrari this weekend. Do you have to? Is it a clicker one? Yeah. No, it's actually just a massive rubber. Oh, hold on, that clicker doesn't what sound like it's working properly. Go on. Uh, it's not a great click, is it? Yeah, no, because it does have a tiny bit of a thing that a problem. gets blocked. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't take it for repair either. No. Uh, um, I've got an Apple pencil, but what have you got, Sam? Have you got any tools? I haven't got any notes, actually. Uh, I'm just going to ad-lib. Stand up all the way through it. Yeah. yeah I, I, I haven't even got a chair. <laughs> I, I, I do have a chair, but this is what happens when I sit down. <laughs> oh, I can see in the reflection now. Your, your laptop's on the side of a drawers, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, but when he's standing up, he looks like one of those guys that do, like, cover music of, like, gospel people. Gospel. On YouTube. No, no, yeah, that's just that's does. just because of he hasn't had a haircut in a while. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just a biblical look. I uh, see you. You meet you meet Antonio Giovinazzi once and Speaking of happens. Antonio Gi- Giovinazzi. I didn't have- Ciao, I'm Antonio Giovinazzi, this is the cut of the race. Verstappen took his eighth win in 13 races. Starting from P10, it's the first time Verstappen has ever won when starting a race outside of the top four. Is it the return of Mercedes? Mercedes led more laps this race than the whole season combined so far. And despite the drama, it was exactly the same podium as last week in France. Goodman, and you're listening to the fantastic Cut to the Race podcast. Hello, my name is Ron Mylander, and you're listening to the Formula Birds podcast. Hi, I'm Rosanna Tennant, and you are listening to the incredible Cut to the Race podcast. Hi, I'm Jordan King, and you're listening to the Formula Nerds podcast. Hi, I'm Crofty. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out, and away we go! Hello and welcome to the Cut to the Race podcast. We are here to review, dissect and analyse the Hungarian Grand Prix. 
I'm Ollie, and with me to do this, we have Sam, who actually wasn't there and didn't watch it. Um, Sam, you were in London this weekend, weren't you? I was, I was. I was at the rounds 13 and 14 uh, Formula E, uh, it's the EPRI um, of season 8, and yeah, had a great time, and uh, yeah, I'll chat to you about that a little bit later on in the podcast. Ooh, mystical. Um, and we do have Delilah, who actually was in Hungary for the event. Um, you spent the weekend in Budapest. How was it? It was really nice. I was with W Series to sort of follow their races. Uh, but it was great, to be honest. Everyone was lovely there. And we also had a very good view on the track. So that was great yeah it was a busy busy weekend now the bu- the weekends don't get much busier than the one that's just gone for the formula nerds we had formula one formula two formula three formula e and w series all of the events uh, or the series rather that we cover as a formula nerds on one weekend sam you look you well your hair's actually longer um is it any grayer than before it's getting increasingly gray uh so as you'll probably know as a motorsport fan uh viewer listener we also had one of these kind of five slates to start the month as well and i was at silverstone for that so whenever i should really be in hq kind of making sure that everything's going to plan i'm you know basically trackside um where it's a lot more difficult um so yeah it's been it's been a lot but it's been really really enjoyable but we did we did catch up with some cool people i say we did i wasn't there at any of these events but we caught up with some cool people um let's start with this chap Hi, I'm Nick DeVries, and this is Cut to the Race. Yeah. Yeah, Nick DeVries, okay, he's, he's a listener of the show, that's nice. Um, what about the Italian chap, Delilah, can you translate this one for me? Uh, ciao, I'm Antonio Giovinazzi, and this is the Cut of the Race. Eh? <laughs> he, was, he was really excited about how that came out, I can tell you. He that's was, hey. Hey, hey, it's good, eh? Exactly. <laughs> Um, you caught up with someone who, who I'm really starting to like a lot. But apparently she thinks... What did she say about our name, the Formula Nerds? She said the uh, Formula Nerds is a really cute name. Hi, this is Naomi Schiff and you're listening to the Formula Nerds podcast. I like that. And she also said she's going to come on the show, didn't she? She did, she did. So she promised we're going to keep in contact and bring her on. Cool. Yeah, I see. That's the thing. I always, I always worry when I when I speak to people, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, no, that sounds really good." And then, like, you email them, and like, you know, you get nothing back. So, I'm always a bit apprehensive because uh, we do have some some contact details of some pretty cool people. So, hopefully, we can get those lined up. Well, we're going to need to because we're in the we're in the summer break. I mean, let, let's start by talking about that. Uh, we've just had round thirteen of the Formula One World Championship, which means that we are in the summer break. So, guys, we're going to have to make some content that's. Um, not about races on Sundays. Any ideas? Just off the cuff, I'm throwing that there, Sam. Yeah, I mean, I love the history of the sport, right? I love all the kind of, you know, quirky and fun kind of stuff from bygone days. Um, I feel like we're la- lacking minnows in F1 these days. We've only got 10 teams. We haven't got, you know, kind of, we're a decade on from the um hrt virgin catrum kind of trio entering the sport and what lasting six years i think the mm-hmm. longest was um we're longer than the days of minardi um of lola the mastercard car from 97 that i don't think actually ran so i think a podcast about our favorite minnows of the sport would be quite interesting uh so that's my suggestion um, okay and right. i guess 
Just now writing that down on my dead iPad with my Apple Pencil, so that's going to uh, <laughs> remind me tomorrow. Um, that's a good one. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, now that we're recording, we, you, we, we're going to have to deliver this, so I'll, <laughs> exactly. uh, I'll get thinking. <laughs> Delilah, any ideas for what we can do during the uh, summer break? You're looking at me like, don't ask me, Ollie, no just idea. don't ask me. No, I, I have no idea. I don't know on the podcast. I know with the articles on the website, we have some very interesting features on W Series uh, coming out. So, yeah. Just in case you hadn't noticed, Delilah, or didn't know, that Delilah is our W Series editor here at the Formula Nerds. So she is she is the woman for W Series. Um, and uh, Sam is our uh, editor-in-chief, who's having a very big swig of a huge drink. What is it? It's frozen water. Wow, that's uh, exciting. It's called, it's called ice, by the way. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, you made, you made a funny... You I did a joke then, people I, I made, Yeah, I did well my, first, my first dad joke of the show. Right, okay, talking of dad jokes, let, we, there's only one place to start this show. Uh, Delilah's thinking, where's he going with this? Sebastian Vettel. He has announced his retirement to focus on being a father. This is... I was shocked at how upset I was about this news. Vettel has been a bit of a character in, in the years of the sport. Um, but having been a, a Lewis Hamilton fan pretty much ever since he joined the sport, obviously Vettel wasn't my favourite. So I was shocked that over the past few years he's completely changed as a human being and he's he's become a real character and he's going to be a real, real loss to this sport. I, I'm, I'm actually gutted. I mean, I'm very much in the, the same boat as you. His arc in the, you know, especially for people who are UK-based, has been an amazing story. He's come in very quick, very popular, got that win in a tour or so in a pouring Monza. Delilah, I know you're from around there, so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you uh, have some thoughts on that. And then through the Red Bull do- dominance, it was all very, oh, the next Schumacher, oh, don't like this. And he was obviously a very controversial character, multi-21, and the way he kind of ruthlessly won those championships wasn't popular but moving on he's you know he's had a couple of moments back in 2017 but he's become so much greater than the sport obviously he's a fantastic driver but what he advocates for you know what he stands for and everything that he's doing around the sport has been incredibly important incredibly influential and it's just really really lovely to see um how popular he's become. Absolutely, especially in, uh, like you said, Sam, the circles that didn't already love him. Now, De- De- Delilah, you're a Tifosi, you are Italian, your house is very near to Monza. What's your thoughts on, on Vettel leaving the sport? And, and did the Italians really learn to love Vettel? I think they did, because I think at first there was kind of this idea of seeing him during the Red Bull years as sort of an enemy. Uh, but then I think when he actually came to Ferrari, it was so clear that he was kind of a kid like us in some way. Can you say Ferrari again? That was absolutely superb. That's my favourite thing of this show so far. <laughs> Ferrari. <laughs> okay. Exquisite. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, going on. Yeah, so I think it was kind of this idea of seeing him as someone that grew up with the mate of Ferrari, like us, and who loved the team very much, understood his importance in history and everything else. And I think it was terrible to see him leave Ferrari uh, without winning a championship because it was not only Sebastian dream, kind of 
I don't know, missing out, but it was also like everyone's dream just breaking in that moment. So I do think that he was very much able to be loved by the Tifosi and somehow I do think his F1 career kind of finished on a racing level when he um, went away, when he left uh, Ferrari. But at the same time, I think, you know, it's so much like Sebastian to leave the sports right now and, you know, kind of uh, focus on other things and focus on actually, you know, having a life outside and, you know, uh, just being a father. And so, yeah, I do see him very happy about that. So that's great, I guess. And um, I don't think we're going to see him leave the paddock forever. I think he's going to be back at some point, even just, you know, to cheer on Mick, obviously, um, or these kind of things. So, yeah, I just, I don't think we have seen the last of Sebastian Vettel yet. I'm, I'm actually really glad you mentioned Mick there, Delilo, because that's reminded me of one of my favourite things about Vettel was this beautiful kind of circle of life relationship that he has with Mick. Obviously, Michael Schumacher was incredibly influential in uh, Sebastian's early career. And obviously, with everything that's happened with Michael um, and his accident, Mick hasn't had that support in the way that he probably imagined he would you know, as he kind of went into his motorsport career. But Vettel stepping into that role has been really beautiful to see, actually. And also, I did have another question for you as a as a Ferrari fan, an Italian, you know, living very close to Monza. Alonso and Vettel have very different legacies at Ferrari. Alonso dragged a less than great car almost to championships on a couple of occasions. And Vettel was part of an era where really they could have and should have done better. So are they viewed differently or similarly as, you know, amongst the Tifosi? I think they are. I believe they are. But just in the sense that actually um, they are viewed differently because they are two different drivers uh, and they are obviously two very different people. But at the same time, they are viewed in the same way um, in the fact that Ferrari did not grant them the opportunity to win the championship. Because obviously in 2017 and 2018, uh, Vettel could have maybe, but, you know, the car wasn't really there. The upgrades weren't working. Um, You know, Ferrari still messed up at some point. So I do think they kind of see them in that kind of similar way. But at the same time, Alonso is very much loved again, uh, as much as, as Vettel. So yeah, and I think, I don't know, it's it's always weird because somehow the Tifosi always find a way to love every Ferrari driver, some more, some less, but regardless. Uh, but every time in a different way, but it's, yeah, it's always, it's always love nonetheless, I guess. I think actually we may have found a topic to do one of our off-season, uh, sorry, uh, summer break podcasts about Sebastian Vettel. I mean, he, he's an incredible human and people don't always realise, you know, you don't just get in a car, an F1 car and, and win world titles. He started in karting when he was three. Um, he was actually racing by the time he was four. Um, the guy's got 53 victories to his name. He was the youngest world champion in history. As much as, you know, being in the right car at the right time is important, you've also got to be the right driver. You know, it was 2008 that he won his first victory in Italy. That is a long time ago now. He's been a real dominant force uh, in our sport. Oh, completely. And I think that's one of the really interesting things with hindsight, that I think people forget how good... Seb was over those four years, four or five years when he, you know, won his titles and almost won it in 2009, actually, as well. Uh, Button just about <laughs> hung on in the end. Um, and 
I think people were the car, it's the car, like, you know, you get that a lot. You got that through the Ferrari era. Hamilton got that a lot through the Mercedes, you know, the Mercedes dominance. People forget how, how utterly shattering he was on the rest of the field. And yeah, I think it, it kind of, that's one side of it. But also as a fan of the sport, but also as a, someone who wasn't a Vettel fan in that time, not that I hugely disliked him, I guess, but I wanted the other guy to win, basically. I look back on those years really, really fondly because I can appreciate the brilliance of it now. Mm. And I mean, people may think that he's retiring on a low. I've heard comparisons to when Michael Schumacher returned, things like that. I actually see it the, the complete opposite. I think if anything, he's leaving the sport on on the high of his career, where he's he's universally respected. I mean, I've got I had a couple of Seb quotes lined up for this for this podcast. Two that I picked that I quite like. One was when he joined Aston Martin, and he said, "I'm not James Bond, but I can certainly drive faster than him." I quite like that one. And then um, the other one was just pure Seb which was, you can't always be the best, but you can do your best. And I think that does show um, Sebastian Vettel all round. Yeah, completely. I, I completely agree with you. Um, I, I, I see it very differently from Schumacher. And also, I think it says a lot, what he's achieved in the last two years, as I said earlier, is far greater than the sport. And that will be a big part of his legacy. And by joining Aston Martin, it afforded him the opportunity to do that. He wouldn't have been able to go on question time. He wouldn't have been able to stay a stand for LGBTQ plus rights in Hungary last year. And, you know, it's... So there's there's something in that. It's important. Absolutely. So we are here to discuss the Hungarian Grand Prix. So let's do that. Um, what did you guys think going into this weekend? Obviously, all the talk was Vettel. We actually wrote a piece about Vettel leaving... I think it was Wednesday or Thursday. Um, we 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 saw this one coming. There was inside information that obviously this was going to happen. Make sure you go to formulanerds.com to find out these things first, because that's where you're going to know these things before your mates. And that's always cool to tell your mates something that they don't know yet. Anyway, um, going into the Hungarian Grand Prix, it was it's been an awful run for Ferrari so far. Guys, did you think they were going to turn it around this weekend? It certainly looked like it in the practice sessions, didn't it? It did, and what, um, why wouldn't they turn it around this weekend? You know, they're going to they're going to win the next ten straight, right, and win the title. But no, if you look at the characteristics of the circuit, it's a Ferrari circuit this year through and through. It you know it's not about straight line speed in in Hungary. So yeah, you saw that. Very much um, throughout the season that that is tailor made for them. That was my expectation coming into the the weekend. I thought it'd be Ferrari one two if they both got to the finish, and Red Bull three four. Delilah, what did you think of this? I mean, you you were there, you were feeling this, living, breathing this this race weekend. What was it like? Yeah, I think it was a wasted opportunity for sure. I think uh, Ferrari did have some unexpected problems throughout FP1, FP2, and so on. Uh, the car did not act like it was supposed to. Yeah, I still think they could have won the race, to be honest. Um, we are going to uh, get on to that later, of course. But yeah, I, I, it was a weird weekend overall. Um, and even with the like changeable weather condition, it kept on going brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I was going to talk about the weather. So uh, Friday was what? I mean, again, you were there. Hot as hell, I imagine. Um, yeah. And then Saturday, you text me saying you didn't even have an umbrella. 
right? Yeah, no, actually, I was about to celebrate because I got to the circuit at 10, um, which is when the W Series Hospitality opens. And I was like, yes, I made it. It's not raining. And then the moment I stepped out of the car, it started absolutely pouring down. So, well, yeah, but then it stopped again before the W Series race. So it kept just changing all the time. And But you did have a bucket hat though, right? To To protect you from the rain? Not yet. At that point, not yet. <laughs> this, this, that's very disappointing. And you, was, you say it was about a kilometre walk from where you parked your car to, to the actual paddock. Yeah, it, <laughs> so was, it was. From the media parking. Yeah, that's a, that's a long distance in the rain. But Delilah, last week when you were in France, you got a lift. You were, you were waiting for a taxi, weren't you? And someone gave you a lift? I did. It was uh, Bruna Tomazelli from W Series, of course. Uh, she was very kind. I was lost, as she knows. and uh, She has been joking about it for the past two weeks now. Um, we became friends in the meantime, so yeah, that was great. But I did end up getting a lift from Bruna Tomazelli with uh, Nerea Marti and um, Emily De House, all in the same car. Um, she drives greatly, to be honest, as expected. Yeah, one would say. hope so, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> uh, that's pretty much the coolest story, the coolest taxi you're going to get in a, in a while, isn't it? Um, I just thought I had to throw that one in there because we haven't spoken about it, but it's cool as hell. Um, but yeah, going into into the weekend, we thought we thought we knew what it was going to be. I sort of thought, well, this is the problem with social media, right? We're, we're all now, all the fans are just bantering, right? Ferrari look good. What point they're going to throw it away? That's just that's just where it's going at the moment. But Mercedes, they were having a shocker before qualifying. And um, it was almost like they were sandbagging again. Um, from the reactions after the race, it seems like, nope, they, they tried that. It didn't work, so don't try it again. But it didn't look like it was going to be Mercedes' weekend. Um, any any thoughts from Mercedes going into, into quality, at least? Well, I mean, they, they said that Friday was the their worst Friday of the season and they've had, they've had some bad Fridays. Uh, so I, my expectations were pretty low heading into heading to Saturday. But they do have Mr. Saturday driving for them. So, you know, there's always there's always that chance. And also the characteristics of the circuit, again, it's not big on straights, and that's been a big problem for them this season is straight line speed and also uh I hate to say it, bring it up so early in the podcast, but poor poising. Uh so there's always that chance and they do seem to come alive as the weekend goes on often. Sorry, Sam, you've just said poor poising. I, re- I do recall you taking the mick out of me for saying that. I thought it was porpoising. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> You're too tired to give a shit. <laughs> Honestly, it's one of those things that I just, I don't know. Okay. Maybe, you've, maybe, maybe you've said it too many times and it's just like, I've just assimilated it. Porpoising, porpoising. Uh, you know what? No, it's, it should be porpoising because it's a, it, a porpoising to me is a little bit like when a politician says negotiation. And I'm like, it, it's a bloody T in the middle of that word. <laughs> it's negotiation. All right, okay. But as I say that, I realise that it's not really a, a strong T sound either. But anyway. No, it's not. Uh, Delilah? Yeah, no, I do think that, like, uh, how Mercedes kind of changed their whole weekend was where the eight-times champion came out. Um, and then you realise the experience of the team and just that capacity of, like, making things work. Uh, but at the same time, yeah, no, it was great. And then qualifying, it was just incredible, to be honest. I've I've just checked my notes and I've, I've, I've forgotten one thing pre-qualifying that was Latifi was in P1 in practice three. 
oh my god who i mean if if i was a betting man and i'm not just for reference but they're, they're, you could have earned a few quid on that couldn't you my god would you believe the w series hospitality was right in front of the stands at like Turn one, I would say. Yes. The TV hasn't showed it yet. And I heard the massive cheer, like the biggest cheer ever. And it was for Latifi going through one. That was crazy, to be it, honest. It, and I think, you know, uh, great, great effort from Latifi, but that just shows the changeable conditions through the weekend. Let's go into qualifying. So knocked out in Q1 was Sonoda, Albon, Vettel, Gasly, and... Um, <clears throat> Latifi. So that was no real shocks there, would would you say? I particularly like how you mentioned Latifi last, as as if he wasn't on the back row of the grid. I know, I just didn't want to take away his moment. I, I felt like <laughs> I just built it up so much, and then I just went, boom. Because he had a, a real strong first-to-last uh, challenge between those two sessions. For me, the, the biggest... It's not a surprise at this stage, but... The Alpha Tauris are just so disappointing this season. Much like the Aston Martins, I guess, but Pierre Gasly in particular. He was... And credit to Snowdo because he's obviously closed the gap. But Pierre just cannot hook this new generation of car up in the same way. He was utterly brilliant last season. You know, it was a fairly consistent P5, P6 in an Alpha Tauri. So, yeah, it's. I think that's the biggest surprise for me. And... Yeah, I, I feel like his stock's quite low at the moment because of that. Yeah, I mean, it, it was track limits that got Gasly, I believe. Um, turn five, again, I'm not going to. I'm not going to go into it. Maybe we should make one of these podcasts about it. But why can't they fix track limits? Because for some, it's it applies. For others, it doesn't. I won't go too far into it because again, we'll do something separate on it. But they kind of were doing all the big song and dance about it at the start of the season. Yeah, like every single corner, every part of the track, all year, consistent across the calendar. And you're going, well, yeah, that's obvious. Like that was obvious five years ago, but here we are. And uh, they haven't enforced it. No. No. And this now brings me into Q2, which is where track limits really annoyed me. Perez lost his time for track limits. Um, someone from the Red Bull pit wall decided to um, ring up the new um, FIA race director, or the stewards, and said, I'm not happy about this, and Perez got his lap time back. What is going on here? Bearing in mind that I didn't see the lap because I was in the former paddock, I can only assume that there was a legitimate grounds for appeal. And if there were, then fine, that's okay. Haven't seen the lap, though. However... If it's questionable, if it's a little bit like mixed one from uh, last weekend in France, where it's a little bit more ambiguous, that's the problem because ultimately Red Bull have put pressure on the, the racing stewards and they've had their decision reversed. So that's the kind of thing that got us into hot water last year. So we need to, the sport needs to be really careful with that. And also, I feel like Perez has had some pretty favourable decisions when it comes to track limits this year. Yeah, maybe when it comes to track limits, but not his car performance, did I know? Yeah, I, I don't know, to be honest, because track limits should be monitored by a sensor. And that should be quite uh, black and white. So, to be honest, if that thing is not working, then we do have a big problem. Um, because, yeah, I mean, then you would need to have one person following each lap of a car and that is not possible. Um, so yeah, I do see it more of a of an FIA problem at the moment than a Red Bull 
uh, problem. But then again, like Peretz was still out in Kutu because he couldn't find a base, uh, which was very weird, to be honest. Exactly. You took the words out of my mouth. It didn't even matter in the end. Uh, Perez was out. Um, Joe was out. Magnuson was out. Stroll was out. And Schumacher. Yeah, I mean, no real surprises there. Maybe the Hasses. People maybe thought they would have a better weekend than, than they did. But Perez ultimately, yes, they've clearly started developing the car in a way that suits Verstappen. And that has obviously had an effect in the last, what, six or seven rounds. But where is his pace? It's just, what is going on? He's got that proper, typical, I've just signed a big new shiny deal kind of motivation and mentality at the moment. And uh, yeah, I think he needs this summer break to kind of realign and readjust things. So I think the main talking points here are Q3. So uh, Verstappen on his first run put in a time of seventh, which was one3 one eight seconds off the pace. Can you tell I've written that down? Um, and it wasn't long after that that he reported no power in, in Max Verstappen language, the way he says it. And I, I mean in English, but um, with a few F-bombs chucked in there. Delilah, I know you're at the circuit, but how much of this were you getting and, and what was the reaction in the crowd to this? No, I, I don't know, to be honest, but there was kind of this tiny bit of confusion uh but at the same time i will say um max's weekend friday and saturday wasn't the best to be honest because even in in free practice he then managed to actually make things work in a very verse up in fashion of course um but he he was struggling at first like I saw that car. He was not handling it in, a, in an easy way. So, yeah, I think the problems were there. I, I don't know, to be honest. Also, again, if we want to talk about it, Max Verstappen had the problems to the, I believe, engine on the Saturday. I mean, Charles Leclerc had it always during the race. So, again, mm-hmm. um, let's say that, yeah, it was good for him, um, but of course... So it, it was a bit of a mixed up grid, really. So as we've said, Max Verstappen had the um, engine problems, but Perez in 11th, Max Verstappen in 10th, Ricardo was ahead of him. I mean, good God, what's going on, man? Um, Bottas was in 8th. Uh, Hamilton only got to 7th because of a problem with his DRS. Yes, and I think that's a real shame because on pace, he would have been higher up. And had he started higher on on the grid, who knows what could have uh, could have happened on Sunday? But I do just want to quickly rewind to P8 Bottas. I can only imagine that Verstappen wanted to be in a position at the start where he could see Bottas after last year. So I think there could be... <laughs> I didn't know where you were going with that. I was like, why is he talking about Bottas being in front of him? But I, I know exactly what you mean now, yeah. Bowling and, ball Bottas. Exactly. And actually, if you watch the start of the race, Verstappen was a little bit tentative. So, you know, I think there is... You know, obviously, there isn't actually something in that. But, you know, it was a, a cute observation on uh, some people online's part. I won't take, I won't take sole <laughs> credit for it. 
<laughs> no, that, that is a good one. Um, so yeah, as you said, Bottas in eighth, Hamilton in seventh with the DRS wing problem. Um, so he was unable to open it on his flying lap, which really clearly knocked him out, knocked him down. Didn't knock him out, but it knocked him down. Um, Fernando Alonso in sixth with Ocon, who obviously won the race last year um, in fifth. Um, really good qualifying results for those Alpines. Um, but it was Lando Norris in fourth with an incredible qualifying result. He's uh, he's impressing everyone at the moment. The two Ferraris, third and second, uh, Carlos Sainz beating Charles Leclerc in third. And then George Russell taking... I'm very confused about this. I need to clarify this. The first pole of his career. I'm confused by this stat. It's Because it's not the first pole of his career. I mean, in Formula One, yes. Right? No, but I'm sure he did it in um, Bahrain when he was when Lewis Hamilton had COVID. No, he didn't. No, he was P2. No, Bottas did the ball there. Cool. And George Russell getting the first pole of his career. And Which he learned two seconds ago. <laughs> uh, George Russell getting... And it was George Russell who got the first pole of his career for Mercedes. Uh, he only just missed out on it last year when he was covering uh, Lewis Hamilton when he had COVID. Um, I actually got a bit mixed up with that, Sam, didn't I, a minute ago? Editing yeah, is a beautiful thing. You did, yeah, a little bit. Just just a, just a smidge. Uh, but actually, it's quite interesting you mentioned that because all weekend everyone kept him going, his first pole since 2018, um, which was in Abu Dhabi, the race where he won his... Um, F2 Championship they don't do that for anyone else is it just because George is a very good qualifier hence Mr Saturday yeah. but yeah I thought it was quite odd that they wheeled that stat out all weekend long um, when they've I, I don't recall them ever doing that for anyone else no 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 I don't either um but, you know, George has led races. He's done it before. It's not ended perfectly, and it didn't turn out perfect for him either. Um, we're going to take a quick break to talk about our sponsor of this show, Eight Sleep. Then we'll be back with the infamous National Anthem review, and we'll talk a bit about the race. This episode is brought to you by Eight Sleep. Good sleep is the ultimate game changer and nature's best medicine. Consistent good sleep can help reduce the likelihood of serious health issues, decrease the risk of heart disease, lower blood pressure, and even reduce the risk of Alzheimer's. Yet, still more than 30% of people struggle with sleep, and temperature is one of the main causes of poor sleep. I personally have always struggled to get the right temperature in my room when I'm sleeping, and ruining my sleep. Now I'm falling asleep in record time. Thank you to 8Sleep Pod Pro Cover. The Pod Pro Cover is one of the most advanced solutions on the market for thermoregulation. It pairs dynamic cooling and heating with biometric tracking. You can add the cover to any mattress that you already own. The temperature of the cover will adjust to each side of the bed based on your sleep stages, biometrics and the bedroom temperature reacting intelligently to create the optimal sleeping environment. Go to 8sleep.com forward slash formula nerds to check out the Pod Pro cover and save £150 at checkout. 8 Sleeps ships to the USA, Canada, and the UK. Okay, right, it's time for the very fast National Anthem Review, because last week it went on for far too long, and I think people took it too seriously. So, Delilah, out of 10, what did you rate the National Anthem at the Hungarian Grand Prix, and why? I would say 7. Wow, maybe it's a lot higher than I rated it because of the people dancing. I, uh, now, to be honest, 
there was some commitment there. <laughs> I appreciated it. It felt like a throwback to um, the Ferrari show. Right. I don't know. It was very confusing, but really entertaining, to be honest. Okay. Do we do we usually put the kind of the general mise en scene and aesthetics into the review of the anthem? Because I think we should. I think it's a good point. It's not just about the. Uh, oh, oh, I've got. Well, a, one thing we don't do this, is put it as a background. <laughs> so I thought this time we could use it during the review. Now, it was very windy. I'll try to listen. <laughs> And I'm not too sure what the men were wearing. Now, if you haven't seen this, I didn't think F1 would put... Oh, no, they haven't. I didn't think F1 uploaded the national anthems to their YouTube, and they don't. Um, it's someone else who's done it. But it's worth a watch. Um, Delilah's given it a 7 out of 10, so it, all our Italian fans must will like it. Um, me, I'm going to stop it here. I gave it... I give it a 2 out of 10. Why? Because it just didn't. It just didn't get me excited for the race. It just didn't do it. If we reflect back to the Azerbaijan national anthem, however, right, uh, Sam, I do recall you being on that show. Azerbaijan. I always struggle spelling this. It was. It was a good one. I would like. Uh, whilst Ollie is 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 finding that, <laughs> I would like to point out that. I have actually seen the race. Uh, it's the other parts of the weekend I didn't get to see. Uh, I'm, I'm not completely unprofessional and uh, incompetent. Um, I, Molly May would be very jealous of me. I have more than 24 hours in my day. See, this is a national anthem. I'm not really telling this, am I? I'm feeling very patriotic about... It's so, it, you know what? It feels like the the Renaissance TV series. I don't know. The bell of the church is ringing. It was ringing at the same time. So I don't know. Apparently, yes. I've just all I'm doing is I'm waiting all year for the Monza Italian national anthem. This is all I'm doing this whole segment for, right? Should we flick back to 2021, Delilah? I will say. I will say, I don't remember 2021, but I do remember 2018. It was my first race ever. Um, I know who sang the national anthem, but that is not important. It was terrible. It was the worst version of the anthem ever. Um, The problem is, on television, um, I don't think it's very noticeable, uh, on the track, the Monza circuit has a terrible problem with acoustic. It was the worst thing I ever heard. I was just hoping it would stop, please. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Is that why they always sing three seconds behind what we hear? We're on the podium. Is that why? I've always wondered that. What was the, what was that race? I th- oh, no, you know what? It wasn't a race. I think it was the NBR All Star Game one year, and whoever was singing the national anthem was doing the whole like. Oh, I was. Oh, I was. Very, nearly did it. Very nearly did it. <laughs> Sam nearly stuck on the podcast. I'm, you know what? I'm so, so thankful I caught myself there. Anyway, they're doing that like kind of up and down thing with their voice. You, they just cuts to all the players like Chris Paul, whoever, just really struggling not to laugh. <laughs> and I feel like we need a, a similar moment in Formula One. Well, I've just, I've just actually Googled the Italian national anthem in F1. And uh, Andrea Bocelli, I forgot about this. Um, Delilah, how do you pronounce that properly? 
Andrea Bocelli. That's the one. Did the Tuscan Grand Prix in, in COVID 2020. So maybe... Hold on. Hold on. It's only the end that everyone likes, isn't it? Let's just be honest here. That's more like it. Just before it gets to the fun bit. If, the, if he comes out again this year, it's a 10 out of 10 from me. Oh, if I'm there, I'm going to be <laughs> Oh, yeah, you will be excited. there. <laughs> well, hopefully. We'll see. I, I, I still need to work out my, uh, my plans, but hopefully I'll be there. Um, but I'll tell you, though, what a guy. It's just emotional, isn't it? It is. Um, I wish I was telling I'm jealous. I've got a better anthem than us. Yeah, and you have to learn to say Ferrari. And I said we weren't going to drag this out, and I've managed to do it. Um, <laughs> so Delilah has just messaged in our um, in our chat, uh, private chat here, that she knows who's going to sing the Italian national anthem this year. Oh. I do, but it's very, very secret still, so. So here's an exclusive from Delilah, Formula Nerds, Italian, who is it? It's not, I, I can't say it. They're oh. going to kill me uh, if I do, but I'm not convinced about the choice, probably. So no, it's not going to be Pavarotti, is it? I so um, no. Is it going to be Antonio Giovinazzi? <laughs> I wish. He's free. Wish. He would be free. Yeah, like, probably he sees to be honest, finishes. he has the look of a great singer. Maybe. Oh, he Well, does. Antonio Giovinazzi. He's the great look what, of a messiah. What, what podcast does he listen to, guys? Ciao, Antonio Giovinazzi. This is the cut of the race. Thank you for that, Antonio. So let's get on to the race. God, we probably need another ad break before we do that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We were teased with the threat of rain for the start of the Grand Prix. It didn't really happen. Delilah, our, our, our rain correspondent, our rain expert from Hungary. Um, the weather, did it actually rain at any point in this race? Mm, not really. I mean, maybe a couple, of, a, a couple of drops of rain, but not that much, to be honest, no. Yeah, because, you know, on, on TV, it was pouring. It was, it, you know, uh, it was very dramatised, but um, I didn't really think it was raining. Um, it was damp, however. Um, the track was slightly moist at times. Um, but it was... <laughs> Sam. That's a terrible word. <laughs> it was... Terrible. God, you too. It was George Russell, who got off the line well. Who wants to just talk through the opening lap for me? Well, actually, I want to start by talking about the formation lap because I really felt like George's and Martin Brundle covered it quite well. Um, so, you know, this is going to be, you know, your Poundland version. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, clip that, send that to Martin. Um, he, by the time he was almost at the end of the lap, Nick Latifi, coming up at the back of the grid, was in like the third corner. And there's a fair few corners in Hungary. It's a good, like, what, 16 or so. And he sat on the grid for, I think it was a 40-plus seconds. Yeah, it was, it was over, quite it was a long 50 time. in the end. Yeah, you're right. And so, you, you are right. What what caused this? 
Oh, well, I think George, he was obviously very keen to get his tyres warmed up properly. So <laughs> very keen to start the race, clearly. Yeah, well, clean to, yeah, clean, clearly uh, keen to start the race. But also, I think he was worried about you know the the temperature of the tyres. So was a bit eager on the formation lap, not really anticipating that everyone else was actually just doing what was best for them. I don't think anyone was trying to hold in on up. I think it's just. Also, with so many corners in the track layout, it's quite a difficult track to get everyone around quickly. Mm. Um, so that obviously played a factor. Um, I do believe, yeah, Sam, like, the rule is... I was worried. That, it's, uh, it's 10 car lengths, right, on the formation lap. You can't be more than 10 car lengths away from the car behind. I mean, it was half a track length that um, Verstappen, I do believe, was, was mainly the cause of this. He was well, very, this, very slow. And it also begs... Question: How many cars could you actually get on an F1 circuit if you line them front to back? <laughs> it does beg that because, question. Yeah, you, because how, how but, do you measure it? <laughs> but also, also on a corner, on a track with lots of like chicades and corners, surely that's yeah, you know, it's difficult because you could be in a different corner, but it's, it's how you measure it is is yeah, it's difficult. Anyway, this is probably not very interesting for you for you listeners uh, this, this is the nerd to, part of the formula yeah, yeah. this is this has been a very very conversational podcast i'm actually quite enjoying it but yeah either way he clearly was a bit keen to get the race underway so i fully thought that he was going to get jumped at the start i thought his tires wouldn't be in the right range yada 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 but he actually impressed me off the line um he had a good getaway and his defense in the first corner from science was clever. I thought he'd I thought he'd mess it up, but he no, he, he took the, the straightest line and yeah, looked fairly comfortable. And also, skipping ahead a few laps, um, we will go back to the start, don't worry. Um he aced the end of the VSC again, as always. Just absolutely nails it and got a few seconds on the Ferraris at the end of that period. So yeah, early phase of the race, George you know, no notes from me, mate. Crack on, do it again, <laughs> do it again in Spa. I, I mean, yeah, you have skipped ahead slightly, but I was going to ask Delilah, why didn't Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc work together? I mean, they're, they're literally there to manipulate him. He's a little Mercedes who miraculously got pole, right? And these two cars who should have been there, why didn't they work together to, to get him out of there? I don't know to be honest i do see ferrari having a big problem with drivers management lately uh and sort of asserting um that they need to work together and then let the first driver pass might one, be, at least one of them right <laughs> might it be exactly. because you you but, could you class know. you could class that over or under the whole kind of general umbrella of strategy <laughs> Which, <laughs> let's face it, exactly, not, yeah, not Ferrari's forte at the moment. No, 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 no. Bonotto says, and even Sainz and Leclerc said after this race that the strategy was the best it could have been. Mm, it was actually. This is this was where it gets really interesting. Sainz and Binotto did say the same thing, meaning um, the car was on. (laughs) Yeah, that the I don't know, but maybe uh, that the car was not working properly. It wasn't working as expected. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Also, considering the fact that Sainz at that point did have the good strategy, because um, he did not put on the hard tires. Leclerc actually said that the strategy was wrong. 
Um, which is very interesting because he came out and said that he asked, he had asked to stay on the yellow tires. Uh, he believed they were going to work uh, more and he was not happy about the white tires. Um, so, yeah. And again, he also said that the car was actually working fine, um, as shown by that amazing overtake, because we need to acknowledge it on George Russell. It was yes. great. Um, Just for our so- listeners, um, yellows are mediums and whites are hard. Yeah, if, sorry. For our colorblind listeners. <laughs> sorry about that. Um, yeah, but I mean, I don't know. It was really weird because, to be honest, I think possibly um, had signs took Leclerc's strategy and Leclerc's um, signs strategy, maybe it could have worked better for the both of them. Um, but then it didn't. And I don't know, it was really weird to see Binotto came out saying the strategy was right when it obviously wasn't. Um, and Leclerc, I think he is, to be honest, at this point, just over it. Um, and so, yeah, the fact that he did say specifically that um, that was not what he had asked, it was, yeah, I don't know, to be honest. I think last time, um, after Silverstone, uh, Binotto had to go to Monaco to Leclerc and offer him dinner. I think this dinner will be more expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it might be a few million quid dinner, this. But let's face it as well, though. Charles puts his hands up and says that's on me when he makes a mistake like we saw in France. Mm-hmm. So he's earned the right to criticise the team justly when it's fair. Not criticise, but I guess be more open and honest about things where they've maybe fallen down or haven't worked in the way they should. And, you know, I think that open dialogue with the fans, with the sport should be praised because, you know, there's, there's no BS with him. Uh, and... That's a good thing. But also, obviously, he's just PR'd up to his eyeballs at this stage, and he knows that if he acknowledges his, his team's mistakes, the buck ultimately starts, stops with him, and he will be uh, quietly removed um, over the summer. Which, yeah. 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 But to be honest, I do see um, that the problem that Ferrari had this week in Hungary was the same one that they had in Silverstone and the same one that they had in Monaco. And the fact that they did not acknowledge it the first time and did not came out and say, actually, we messed up, actually was the reason why the problem is now being perpetrated. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. I mean... It feels a little bit like they've had a few instances where, or a few races where they've tried the conventional thing, the conventional strategy, tried to beat Red Bull race pace and have struggled. Haven't been able to do it. And it's almost got in their head a little bit. So they keep on rolling the dice with an alternate strategy every week. And it's almost like they're hoping that eventually it's going to pay off. And everyone's going, oh, I knew I knew they had it in them. Yeah, it was just about getting there eventually. Whilst they've let eight races go by and countless points, you know, yeah. fall away from their, their championship hall. So, yeah, it's... They, they're overthinking it. Yeah. It's, it, you know, it's fully in their heads at this stage. Um, yeah, they're, they're shaken. Yeah, I'm not even sure if it's just that or if it's just pure chaos, to be honest, because it does look at the moment like Ferrari has no idea what it's going on. Because, and you know, um, I don't know if it was the same thing on the UK commentary. The Italian commentary was just about saying uh, how no one was going to fit the hard tires during the race because obviously on the Alpines it wasn't working. And in that moment, uh, Ferrari called 
Leclerc in to put on. I can confirm it was exactly the same across the world. Exactly. And And I think, yeah, and to be honest, and even afterwards, I was uh, speaking at the airport while my plane was was delayed. I was speaking with some mechanics uh, and engineers from Trident, which is uh, F2 and F3 team of course and they were saying yeah we didn't have the commentary we didn't have all the data but we knew that was the wrong choice when we saw it because it just made no sense and it made no sense throughout the whole weekend so you cannot even just say like oh yeah but um we believe that it could have worked if the weather was the same as the friday well first thing first friday was like 10 degrees up um and you need to act um regard your circumstances I don't know let's say um and then yeah absolutely I don't know it was just to be honest it was a completely senseless choice I think a a couple of things there so obviously the Ferrari is a better car overall better package than the Alpine it's a different car you know different philosophies in some ways and so there is you know cars react and respond differently on different tyres so there's that, but not that big a difference during a race. And also, yeah, it's great that you thought the strategy would, you know, would work if the weather was the same on Friday, but the weather doesn't just change by multiple degrees in a matter of minutes. That's, there was no way that it was going to, the circumstances would change. Um, I think Martin Rundle made a really good point in the strategy that they brought Leclerc in so early in the race that they kind of got themselves in a situation where they were in between strategies and, and they've done that before. They did that with science in France. And when you're in between strategies, you have to play it safe. And the hard tire is obviously a more durable compound, lasts longer. So they had to do that to get further into the race to then be able to, you know, put softs on at the end. Or could they've just, I don't know, could, could they've lasted on the hard tire, albeit incredibly slowly? But I guess it was worth the pit stop to get off the tire, I guess. Mm. I'm going to do something quite rare and just give Ferrari some credit on their strategy for one part of this race. Um, Delilah's thinking, did I see the same race? Um, they they dummied Mercedes, they dummied George Russell into the pits by calling box box and not boxing. Um and that was quite a clever move that actually gave them the lead of that race at that point. Now, that was before the point that we've been talking about. So we're going backwards and forwards a bit here, but Ferrari clearly do have some some idea what they're doing. It just seems that when they get into the live race scenario, obviously that was pre-planned, when they get into live race scenario, it all seems to just fall apart. Um, now, what about Verstappen? Um, this is, it's still a mystery to me how this man won the race. Um, if either of you can explain it, please do, because I still don't understand how he was all the way back there and the next minute he's um, taking yet another win. Well, obviously, they just, I mean, they got it right, didn't they? Uh, Sighting on the softs allowed him to get through the field quickly, efficiently, early. And then he had the kind of, I guess, the better race tyre for the final two stints lessening fuel load had a you know, fair amount of clear air at points um and yeah it just all kind of came together i guess like you could you can run a race multiple times over and the same strategy won't be as effective each time and i think it just all kind of came together in the right way on verstappen's drive though i really do think that this will be seen as a a kind of a, a pivotal drive in his career because 
the maturity of it, the, you know, he made a mistake. He, he had a spin. And we know that Verstappen is incredibly good at catching spins. Spin and win, as, as he, he called it, right? Yeah, exactly. And, but as you, yeah, as, as you pointed out earlier, Ollie, this is the first win of his career from lower than P4 on the grid. This is a different weapon in his arsenal now. He's expanding his repertoire. He is becoming a more complete driver. And this season, the mistakes that other teams are making, Mercedes being off the pace, is allowing him to make some serious progress. And I say that with all awareness that, you know, back in March, we were talking about, you know, he's shaken. He's the, the psychology of racing as a champion is getting to him. He can't, you know, he hasn't adapted yet. He has come on leaps and bounds in the first half of the season. Mm. I mean, the, the proof that this was a strategy race is 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 right there. You had Verstappen starting in 10th, winning. You had uh, Hamilton starting in 7th and finishing in 2nd. Um, and, you know, beating his teammate who started on pole. This was all strategy. And it's complicated strategy. When you've got multiple pit stops, right? Uh, you're talking two, three stoppers. You've got uh, drivers using every single one of the tyres. This becomes a very complex race. And the amount of different variables just absolutely, um, well, quadruple, I don't know what the next one up is, but um, they they just go on and on and on. Go on, Sam. I know you're going to rip me for that. No, I'm not because I don't know either. And I, I, I'm i laughing because earlier in the podcast, I avoided doing something similar. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> uh, but it goes to 10 to the power of 100. I don't know. But it's... Um, a it, multitude. It's, of, uh, yeah, a multitude of different, uh, different outcomes. And this just proved... Contact. That the strategists were incredible in this race. I mean, Delilah, what do you what do you make of it all? Um, Verstappen spun and won, um, spin and win. It's it, it, it it's just still baffles me how you can make mistakes, um, start in tenth, and win that race. It it, it really was a, a strategist's race. I think it was a strategist's race. Um, and we know, obviously, at Red Bulls, there is an amazing head of strategy. Um, at the same time, at the same time, I will say, Max Verstappen did put in some good laps to actually achieve his place there. Um, I think it was the outlap um, after his pit stop at some point. Um, he did make an incredible lap to be honest um so yeah to be honest i do see max as just on another level yet again in his career and at the same time i will say i am sorry that his engine um blew up i don't know on saturday but at the same time it did give us the chance to see him actually overtake someone um from 10th which was Something that I was kind of missing because, yeah, I don't know if if anyone knows, obviously, I do really um, enjoy seeing Max Verstappen uh, overtake and attack. So, yeah, I was really happy about that, to be honest. So I do think, yeah, the strategy was important, but then, you know, um, you could probably give, and this is going to be, this is going to sound very mean, you could probably um, give a good strategy to um, Latifi and the change won't, the, the, the race won't change that much to be honest so I think it's just the whole package that comes together with the driver and the car and the strategy absolutely yeah like you need a driver in the car who can pull off exactly what they're after and yeah he, yeah he's he's quick when he, he needs to be and yeah he had, I think like I said it shows the maturity and 
when he needed to put in a Hammer Time esque lap. Uh, don't hate me, Hamilton and Max Verstappen fans for doing that. Um, he did. I thought he was sensational. There was a bit of a rift going on between uh, Fernando Alonso and Esteban Ocon throughout that race. Um, bit of drama. And I think with all this strategy, Ferrari, you know, screwing up and then Verstappen winning, I think it took a lot of, a lot away from the actual on-track action. There were some really good battles throughout that. Um, one of them was obviously Esteban and um, Fernando. Um, we won't go too much into that, but... I think Esteban was a little bit cocky and he really annoyed Fernando Alonso, didn't he? <laughs> he really did. He did. And I'm glad that we found our way back to the start because I was worried that I'd promised that and we weren't going to get back. Uh, Fernando on the first lap was really, really unhappy. Uh, he, in fact, he, he said, and obviously he's being a little bit dramatic because, you know, you are in a heated moment when you're in a machine that goes 230 miles an hour or whatever it is. Um, yeah, he basically said he's never seen a defence like that from Esteban. Or I think, sorry, I phrased that wrong, but he's basically saying the defence that you saw there from Esteban was the worst he'd ever seen, basically. So, yeah, it's a pretty big thing to throw at your teammate a matter of corners into the race. Um, and yeah, they basically couldn't kind of free themselves of each other for the, the, rest, of the rest of the Grand Prix. I think there's a lot in that that they know that they're not going to be teammates next year. Um, that could be playing into it. They would have obviously known by this point, right? Oh, uh, maybe, maybe. W- was it? Was he? Was he pushed? Did he jump? <laughs> Who knows? You're going to cover that in the next yeah. show. Yeah, yeah, we we certainly will. And uh, yeah, I mean, we'll yeah we'll we'll move we'll move on from that. But that could well have had a factor. What is there to possibly lose? And even if it wasn't confirmed, you know. He was maybe going, well, my guys are speaking to to, to Lawrence Stroll's guys and fuck this amount, <laughs> basically. <laughs> sorry, Ocon. you're going to have to beep that. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Ocon does have a bit of a history for crashing with his teammates, though, doesn't he? Yes, he does, with oh. with certain Sergio. Um, okay, guys, so, I, I mean, there's, we could go on and on and talk about all the individual battles, but th- this was a good race. Um Talk, let's talk about quickly about Sir. Um, he had, quite frankly, an incredible race to finish in P2. And is this the return of Mercedes? We've seen this weekend that they can do it on the one lap pace. Yes, changeable conditions, right place, right time. But they had the pace. They've then brought Lewis from seventh on the grid to second. That's not done just by strategy. That's also done by great driving. It, are we about to see the title challenge move to three? And how long is it going to take for Mercedes to overtake Ferrari? If it keeps going like this, not long. <laughs> um... <laughs> so it's 30 points in it now? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's only 30 points. Considering the Ferrari engines have a tendency for blowing up, it's not, it's not much, to be honest. Um, I'm laughing because I would... I'd rather cry but you know um i <laughs> i yeah i do think uh, mercedes was able to kind of develop their car somehow fix the problems that they have uh find a setup for um for the race um and yeah to be honest i think and this is my prediction already i do think next year mercedes will be back in the championship battle a hundred percent yeah, I, I think you're right, Delilah, in the sense that it's too little, too late. 
if they do get there this year. Red Bull are, are too far ahead. But for our, you know, sorry, Mercedes, it's it's proper tortoise and hare, isn't it, between those two, uh, Ferrari and Mercedes. And if Mercedes can finish the season in P2, then fair play to them because they've shown that it's just about getting the points on the board consistently. A proper like, was it Keki Rosberg won a title with just one win? Yeah, it was. And yeah, it's, it's, it's that kind of thing they're showing. Whether or not they get that win, I really hope they do. I, it's difficult to say whether coming out of the summer break there'll be anything different because obviously everything shuts down. This is essentially, in theory, the car that they'll be bringing to Belgium. Unless they have stuff already ready. I don't know. But, yeah. Yeah, let's not forget, though, that their success is due to Ferrari's failures. And... Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah. It very literally is. You know, they're, they're just each week they go, how many points do you want this week, Toto? Um, and, uh, you know, Ralph Schumacher has come out and he has said that Bonotto's job is not safe and it could be going before the end of this year. To be fair, if a man the size of Toto Wolf asked me for my lunch money, I would give it to him. <laughs> Especially with his jacket on from this weekend. Right? I will say, though, I will say, look at the pictures. This is the one thing that baffles me about Mattia Binotto's existence. Look at him. <laughs> he is, in some pictures, he looks taller than Toto Wolf. Yeah, but he lo- also looks like Sideshow Bob, so that's there's a problem there. No, no he looks like, uh, is it Dr. Octavius from um, Spider-Man 2? You <laughs> yeah. know, or Dr. Octopus? Whatever he's got. Oh, it's been a long time since but, I watched it. But I swear, like, Toto Wolf looks huge. If you look at some pictures, Mattia Binotto is taller. And I don't know if it's just the hair or if it's him. It is. I'm looking at a picture of him now, right? And there's at least another two foot of hair above his head. So what? He's actually four foot five. (laughs) (laughs) But no, on a serious note, um, Ralph Schumacher does like to stir the pot a bit, especially with the media. But he... Well, yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> no, we've 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 had uh, a few few spicy spicy. We haven't used that word in a while. A uh, few spicy quotes from him in the past. But yes, um, he's saying that uh, Benotto might be out. And you know, if 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 Ferrari stop handing points over to Mercedes each week, then they're safe. But does F one work in the same way as football, where you get rid of your manager and you bring in Sam Allardyce and you get a bump and you survive? Does it work in the same way? I don't think it does because you bring in someone new halfway through the year, that's a big change to implement for, what, nine races now. Surely you leave him in post till December and then you make that change. And the problem is obviously not him either, is it? It's the the whole team. Um, So, yeah, I think, you know, let's not forget, it wasn't long ago Ferrari were fighting for P18 and 19. Um, So they have made dramatic steps forward. Delilah, do you think it's time to change? Um, I don't know. In the sense that I think a couple of years ago, especially under uh, Montezemolo's presidency, um, people were just going and leaving Ferrari all the time and it did not help the team, to be honest. Um, and I think Binotto was able, as we said, to sort of rebuild the team completely and now build one of the best cars Ferrari ever made, probably. Um, 
and, you know, a very good overall base for the next generation of cars. So I do see him as a very capable um, leader in the sense of actually building the car. I think the strategies are a problem. I think the way in which he speaks to the media is a problem. Um, but I do remember that in 2020 and in 2021, he often sort of accepted to go in front of the media and say things that were not good to hear so that he could somehow protect the team and that actually helped Ferrari eventually actually build the right car. So I don't know, maybe he's doing the same thing right now. What I know is uh, Ferrari has been having problems uh, with strategists and with Rueda, which is the head of the strategies since 2015. Maybe it's time to change, at least in that respect. Um, yeah. Sam, before 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 you you get to your point, I just neither of you were on the podcast where we discussed the Leclerc crash, um, and um, last weekend where Leclerc instantly said that was a throttle problem and then instantly didn't. Um, did we? Did either of you buy that that it was all his fault when he instantly shouted throttle and it was a very strange crash? Um, true or not true? Yeah, no, I think he he explained that the um, because the team radios are delayed. Actually, the um, throttle problem was afterwards when he had already crashed. Uh, the problem was that he was stuck after it, sort yeah, of. Yeah, okay, okay. Um, yeah, so he, he did uh, just accept that he crashed. Good. And I yeah. think, yeah. So. Okay, all right. Yeah, I mean, those things aren't mutually exclusive. Um, he can make a mistake and there'd be a throttle issue simultaneously. Um, and also, he had a throttle issue two weeks before in Austria, so... It's not out of the realms of possibility that the same something similar happened again, but he binned it first. Um, what I want to ask is, Delilah, do you think that Bonotto, do you think it's a case of being patient and, yeah, as you say, kind of they're building something and that he is the right man, but he needs time to kind of finish that project at Ferrari? Or do you think he served his purpose? Do you think he was the person to bring the car and now someone else needs to bring the rest um, of it, the winning? I don't know. I think um, the um, kind of higher levels of, man of management at Ferrari have been really quiet lately, um, which is weird because in Ferrari history, it hasn't happened a lot of time. Um, but at the same time, I think, you know, I we were talking before about Vettel and Alonso and stuff like that. I think if you went to Alonso and told them that you would give him this team, he would like it very, uh, very much, to be honest. So I actually, no, I think Binotto could still be the, the right person to handle the team. I just think um, they need to change the, the strategy. And um, just, I also think, to be honest, at the moment, what I sort of understood from the race yesterday is Ferrari is lacking somehow a Red Bull mentality. Yeah. And um, they, you know, um, Red Bull knows how to win championship right now. They know they need to let Max go. They need to um, take the decisions, take the hard decision. Don't worry about being the good ones. Don't worry about being moral in what you do. Uh, don't worry about not saying you have a second driver. It's very clear. Take a decision. Um, make things ordered, you know clearly establish you have a number one driver, you have a number two driver, you know who to favor in the strategies, you know um, who takes a decision, you know, just, you know, 
make things order. You need to know what is happening. You cannot just leave things random. So I don't think Binotto is necessarily the bad person here. I just think they need to sort of, you know, analyze and say like, okay, no, actually now we're going to make things really clear. But in order to produce that hierarchy, and let's face it, that does as much as a lot of fans of the sport generally don't like to see a one and two driver situation. Yeah, you could argue that put a competitor, someone as competitive, you know, someone as quick as Michael Schumacher in that car in the early 2000s, that it would be more difficult. And I say that with Schumacher winning what over 70% of races one year or, or, or something ridiculous like that. I think it was 2004, he won the title by the French round, which was round 10 of 16. <laughs> like, it was completely ridiculous. But my point is, is that surely to produce that scenario, you've got to get rid of Carlos Sainz. Because I can't see them get rid of Charles Leclerc unless he actually decides to take himself out of the situation. But like, is this where someone like Mick Schumacher comes in? You know, to, to partner one of them and have that dynamic? Well, I mean, one thing he did say was that Carlos was on exactly the same strategy as Lewis Hamilton. Um, it was the car that didn't work. And um, I believe this is the first time he said that the car was not competitive. So we're all looking at strategy calls here from Ferrari because that's where they keep chucking it away. But it was the car that wasn't competitive. Delilah's instantly going to call that out. No, because I will say, to be honest, ever since the start of this championship, it's been very clear you cannot base the pace of the Ferrari car on Carlos Sainz to be honest, because his pace is not the same as Leclerc. And he is a great driver, to be honest, but he does not take the 150% out of the car as Leclerc does. So, I don't, to be honest, um, yeah, and to to Carlos um, also, I would say um, he did uh, say afterwards he had a plastic bag under his car, so maybe that also um, was what intentionally or was that a mistake no it was a mistake it just it, it got stuck there um <laughs> when you've got a race at four at four but you've got shopping at six well exactly <laughs> uh, so you know i think yeah that's kind of it so to be honest no i think the car was working it was really obvious it was working with leclerc he was leading the race he gave uh four seconds to george russell after overtaking him on the same uh compound of tires so yeah, I mean, it's very yeah. clear for me. Yeah, I mean, the, the only... To, to summarise, I think, all of this conversation is the only thing that is completely working in our, in this sport is Max Verstappen and Red Bull Racing. That is just working in absolutely the way it should. Um, the rest, even Perez, isn't quite gelled properly. There's issues there. Uh, Mercedes obviously have their issues. We've spoken at length about Ferrari. It's just Max Verstappen and Red Bull are so in tune and on the same wavelength that this is winning them the championship. But I will say, like... I know it's not something people always talk about because no one likes to hear it, but Christian Horner is one of the best in principles in the history of Formula One because Agreed. he's one of the most winning ones. Um, and no one likes to hear this because everyone kind of thinks Christian Horner can be very annoying at times. Um, but, he is, he is know, annoying. Think, he's definitely annoying, but he's yeah, definitely successful. Agreed. Exactly. 
Um, and he has a horse. I couldn't quite hear. I should have rewound it. I wasn't sure if the horse on the um, on the Sky Sports program that he introduced was called Gretel or Vettel. Um, now I'm re- I'm genuinely not sure. So if anyone knows, email me Ollie at formulanose.com. Um, but let's bring this race to a close. Uh, it was Max Verstappen who won. As we've said, Lewis Hamilton took the fastest lap, finished in second. George Russell taking third, exactly the same podium as last week. Carlos Sainz in fourth, Sergio Perez in fifth. Leclerc, again, a shocker in sixth. Norris doing as well as he could, really. I don't think there's anything wrong with taking seventh from that race result. He did start in fourth, but that was a solid performance from him. Alonso followed by Esteban Ocon in ninth. And Sebastian Vettel finishing in tenth. Bit of a dark horse there, actually, who we haven't spoken about. Yeah, he just kind of, you know, obviously had a bit of a messy first lap, but he just quietly gets on with it, doesn't he? It's, at this stage of the career, of his career, he's no thrills, no spills. He will just, well, I say no spills, he does sometimes spill it, but he will just quietly work his way through the field. Mm-hmm. And he gets points. He almost got points last weekend. Um, and in fact, fair, fair play to Stroll. He followed him home in 11th. So, yeah, the Aston Martin is not a great car, but they're doing what they have to do to kind of get points or a point consistently. And they are closing in on Alfa Tauri. They're getting there. Yes. Now, there was one retirement from the race, which we didn't mention because it was a bit irrelevant. Um, Sam, who, who was it? I know you're going to take great joy in announcing this one. It was my favourite driver. It was Valtteri Bottas. For the second year in a row. (laughs) (laughs) I get it. I'd forgotten about it this time. Yeah, a a very different retirement uh, this year. Um, I mean, he did make it almost the whole way through the race as opposed to to the first corner. Um, Yeah, I mean, kind of inconsequential really, wasn't it? Like, you know, just one of those afternoons. Okay, so let's uh, let's do our race ratings and our drivers of the day. I'm going to start because I've never started before. Um, my driver of the day was Sir Lewis Hamilton. I thought it was a solid performance. And do you know what? I don't pick him uh, unnecessarily. Yes, I'm a fan, but I thought it was a solid weekend for Lewis. He was my driver of the day. And my race rating was a 5 out of 10. Sam? You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to elaborate on that. Five out of ten. It just. It just wasn't that exciting. It, it just. It didn't. It didn't set off my 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 F1 fan vibe. I I didn't find myself screaming, shouting, excited at very many points. Yes, if you look at the starting grid versus um, the finishing results, it, it probably looks like it was an amazing race. I just didn't really. It didn't excite me that much. I, I realise now I've just rated it high, lower than France, but I, I, I was ready for more. I think the drama of, is it going to rain, is it not going to rain, I, I think it just anticlimaxed itself throughout the weekend. I mean, I get it. Like It's a it's a race for the strategist, right? It's Those people who love that side of the sport would have enjoyed, as you've kind of mentioned earlier, the multiple strategies, the variables all thrown into the mix, the five different ways of doing things, because um, I also <laughs> don't know. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, I totally get it. Um, and also, I mean, Hamilton's a bit of a predictable pick, but you know, I'm not going not gonna to drag you for that. Well, he wasn't the fan vote, was he? Well, no, but that's fair enough. Verstappen won from 10th. 
So, okay, who, who was your driver of the day and what was your race rating? Oh, I thought I was going to let Delilah go first. Um, my driver of the day, I'm sorry, Delilah, because this might be your pick. It was, it was obviously Max Verstappen. As I said earlier, I thought it was a, you know, a hallmark drive in his career. We will look back on that and go, you know what? That's when he spun started. <laughs> spun in one. That's when he, yeah. that, that was when he obviously was going to go on to become a multiple world champion. And let's face it, who knows how many titles he can win? You know, we, people reckon Lewis will get eight. It, I can't see any reason why Max might not get more. More than eight, sorry, Sam. Potentially, yeah. Okay. And your race rating? I'm going to give it a seven out of ten. Whoa! I, was that big? Is that big? Now I feel like I've over-rigged it. Uh, a seven out of ten, I would say, is a solid banger. A solid banger? No, I'd say it's <laughs> an eight. All right, okay, fine. <laughs> we'll, we'll play by Ollie's rules. Um, no, 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 no. You've said seven out of ten. All right, seven fine. Out of 10. All right. Seven okay. out of ten. I thought it was exactly the advert for the regulations and the sport that was needed. Hungary is usually a very difficult track to pass on, and we had lots of overtakes, including Delilah, yes, the overtake on Russell, which just physically, I just couldn't understand how Leclerc was just... Was it Leclerc? It was Leclerc. Sorry, it was Leclerc. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Down it was, it was Leclerc, and, and yeah. I can't believe we haven't mentioned it till now. Well, Delilah did earlier, but... Um, he was like accelerating into the corner. I was like, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand how he's stopping this car in time. Uh, yeah, sensational. And also, whilst we're on overtakes, Daniel Ricciardo's overtakes on both the Alpines at the same time. So you had some really good action there. Um, and yeah, from a strategist point of view, I thought it was it was very interesting. Um, you never really knew who was doing what, and it kind of kept it quite kind of fresh throughout the race. I thought. I feel like I should have made it a six now. Um, Delilah, who, who was your driver of the day in your race rating? Um, yeah, driver of the day, yeah, my pick was Max and I'm sorry. Um, I do think he was amazing, plus I yeah, did but, like... but Sam's picked him, so you know the rules. Yeah, I know, I know. I'll, I'll go on to it now, wait. Um, I, no, I just wanted to say, <laughs> I did like uh, very much seeing him uh, actually having to put in the, the work to carve through the field. Um, if it's not Verstappen, I would probably say Leclerc, um, just because he's still sort of, you know, put in the effort and try to make the most the out of it. And I respect, I respect him. <laughs> Everyone for loves not, a trial. You know, I respect him for not just jumping out oh, of the car, God. parking it there and saying, you know what, I'm leaving. Yeah, stop this. I'm yeah. not doing this anymore. <laughs> so I will say I respect the patience. Um, uh, the, the race rating is probably a six, only because I would have really liked seeing... Um, Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc actually battle, you know, uh, wheel to wheel. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I do like strategies, but it's not my type of race, I would say. Okay. I'm sorry I'm laughed because you didn't have many options left, <laughs> did you? <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, yeah, aside from that, everyone kind of had a fairly like, yeah, it was just two people made the way, the way through, everyone else seemed to go backwards. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right okay cool let's um paul by the way one thing we did forget to mention i'm just going to dip it in here reports of uh, verstappen fans burning lewis hamilton merch at the track i mean f1 clearly made a big effort this weekend for their um 
uh, we their, their new version of We Racers One. I can't remember what they've called it. Help me out. Um, Drive it out. Yep. Yes. Drive it out, um, which is good, which is what we needed following um, some of the events this year. But clearly it hasn't fixed it. Um, what's your thoughts on this, guys? This is disgusting behaviour. And I quote Verstappen there, also agreeing this is disgusting. This is not the place for our sport. And these people need to be called out, which is why I've made sure I've mentioned it. Um, what should what should happen to these people? I mean, number one, they should be at least arrested. But lifetime bans, it's not enough. It, what can you do to punish idiots like this? I mean, some of the stuff that's going on is really, really serious. And yes, that's where uh, people arresting, being arrested and stuff. What we saw in Austria absolutely is so, so beyond the pale. And I I say that because I'm not sure if burning merch is actually a criminal offence. No, but it's... Obviously, there's there's obviously, mm. you know, it's it's antisocial behaviour. So yeah, maybe. Obviously, I'm not a legal expert, uh, especially not a Hungarian legal expert. Um... I was oh, really oh, shit. Why are you on this podcast, Sam? <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. I, I, I forgot that this was my bit. Um, <laughs> I've been here for an hour and a half just to, just to talk about this. Um, look, I'm, I'm pleased that Max came out and kind of quite clearly condemned it. That's important. But also, talk is cheap. And I, I say that at the sport, not Max, because Max is one person. He's a driver. He's He can't. There's nothing he can do about stand, it. Is yeah, it? exactly. Yeah, like yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. you know, he, all he can do is kind of promote his his views on it as best he can. Um, yeah, as I said, talk is cheap. There needs to be, like, as far as I'm concerned, if you're doing stuff like this, we don't want you at racetrack. We don't want you intimidating people. You know, Austria, from all the kind, I know that obviously it's Hungary, but that's a race that I've always earmarked is one I'd like to go to and I think it sounded a very intimidating experience for people and I say that as someone who isn't usually easily intimidated I would have questions about going there as a Hamilton fan yeah you certainly wouldn't take your your, your young daughter would you no exactly and so and I say that in the fullest awareness that it is so much worse for our female fans in the sport, the harassment that they faced in those situations. So yeah, there needs to be something done about this because people are emboldened and think that they can do whatever they like. And F1 has always had many different problems of many different types. And this is the latest version and it's a particularly horrible and aggressive one. And it ne- it needs to go as soon as possible. And I would have issues with anyone burning Verstappen merch at Silverstone. You know, it's, it's the same behaviour. It's not about whose merch you're driving. It's about the fact you're burning um, something someone's built and made of themselves. You know, it's just disgusting. De- Delilah? Yeah, I will say um, I was in Austria last year for the Grand Prix, actually. And what I remember is, although uh, I I was there with my family, so, you know, it was a very quiet race. You weren't working, yes. No, exactly. Um, It was a very quiet race for me. But at the same time, I do remember, I think it was on the Sunday, um, you could basically go around, walk around the whole circuit, um, which is something that I'm not that used to, because uh, in Monza you can't, uh, but whatever um and i did and when i got to the sort of like max verstappen grandstands that was the only place you could not go to um because they would tell you that just you can't go there um and i don't know somehow it felt like they were protecting us from them rather than the contrary 
Um, so I don't know, to be honest, I think, yeah, I think sport needs to actually take the action and say, you know what, you're being anti-sportive, um, I don't know, um, you just get out. Because to be honest, I've been to circuits, I've been to football stadiums as a woman, it's terrifying at times. So just, you know, you call out people get them out. You ban them. It's very easy, to be honest. I don't think we can just continue living in this idea of saying, oh, you know, Formula One is such an elegant sport. If you have this behavior on the stands, remove it. It's very easy, to be honest. Mm. And if you just want to say that it's, you know, oh, people, please be nice. Yeah, okay, it's not going to work, to be honest. So actually take the action. Yeah, I mean, uh, we won't go on too long about this. I think the, I think the issue is you've got, you know, 100,000 fans um, and you've got security um, staff who are, you know, 17, 18 years old being paid pocket money um, to go and secure these events. It, it, the two just don't work. You know, in, in a football stadium, you've got a controlled environment, you've got cameras everywhere. It's very easy to see. I think these events are so big and... It's just making me feel sick that this is coming to our sport. This who this this, this culture, this this lad, horrible, just disgusting behaviour that we haven't had in Formula One until very recently, and it just needs to go. And I'm sorry to end to to go into this dark subject, but we've got to call it out. And if we don't, we're not doing our jobs properly. Um, you know, anyone who wants to behave like that, who listens to this podcast, unsubscribe. Don't listen to it. Quite frankly, my middle finger's in the air at you. Leave this sport alone. It's not what we need. Um, enjoy the sport. Respect the drivers. Respect whoever wins, whoever doesn't win. And, um, you know, we've seen some stuff come out with Michael Massey this week, which I'm sure we covered on the news show. Um, again, that's, that's really sickening. Um, this, isn't, this isn't motorsport. It's not what we want. Let's move on to the driver standings. Delilah, do you want to run us through the top 10 championship standings for the drivers? Yes. So we have Intent, Fernando Alonso with 41 points, then Valtteri Bottas with 46, Esteban Ocon with 58, Lando Norris at 76, Lewis Hamilton, 146 points, Carlos Sainz in fifth with 156 points, George Russell with 158 points, Sergio Perez um, in third with 173 points, Charles Leclerc with 178, and then Max Verstappen, who is the champions championship leader, with 258 points. So reading between that, a few more good results for Lewis Hamilton, and he's in third, really. Um, it's not too far away now. Um, again, Ferrari making really losing them points. Uh, Sam, would you like to do the constructors? Yeah, go on then. Okay, so I'm going to do dramatic like Delilah uh, in, uh, in reverse order as well. Um, so we have in 10th, Aston Martin clawing their way up, 20 points. Um, in ninth, Williams has three, by the way. So there's a big gap there. Um, eighth is Avatari on 27. Seventh is Haas on 34. So they're not, you know, too far away from those kind of bottom few teams. Alfa Romeo with 51 in solidly in the midfield in sixth. Uh, McLaren, big gap there on 95 in fifth. Alpine, four points ahead on 99. And uh, the biggest gap there then is to Mercedes, who are on 304 collecting points like uh, they don't have a terrible car this year comparatively they've just got um, their, they've just got their, their their buckets out just collecting them as they rain down from above 
Oh, it's proper charity from a from 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 particularly <laughs> yes. Ferrari. They got their bucket um, hats and, out. And and early in the season, uh, Red Bull, very funny, very very good there. Uh, yeah, so Mercedes in third, three hundred four. Ferrari in second on three three four uh, with four wins, and Red Bull on four three one. So almost a hundred points in it, which is ridiculous. They have nine wins, and that's the standing heading into the summer break. Okay, so the next Grand Prix is Belgium, the Spa Grand Prix, which is my favourite of the calendar every single time and potentially the last one we're going to have. Is this confirmed we're not having it next year? Is this official now? Um, Last I heard on it was that uh, Kyle Army is being bumped to 2024, Um, so Spa will stay and France is out. So we might have another opportunity. I'm helping to be in Belgium this year because I was a little bit worried that it would be my last chance to go. Um, So, yeah. Hopefully. Sam the Jet Setter, he's he's covering all the races this year. Um, Trying. Trying. If this is confirmed to be the last one, I'll be here with you. Don't worry, mate. But um, that is taking place round 14. The race is on the 28th of August. So we have got a horrifically long break ahead of us. But it's been... To sort of summarise, guys, it's been a a weird year, a really weird season so far. You know, this point last year, it was neck and neck between Hamilton and Verstappen. This year, the championship is just sort of swaying out of reach for Ferrari. Um, Have you enjoyed the season so far? How has it compared to others, Delilah? Um, To be honest, I wish we could have gotten more of like a wheel-to-wheel racing between the two championship contenders because what we have seen at the beginning of the season was amazing. Uh, But then, you know, it's so kind of, you know, a competitive season. It's good to see Ferrari back, even though they're being terrible. Um, But, (laughs) you know, so, yeah, I think it's not a bad season so far, but it's very dense this year Mm -hmm. because of the World Cup so it's gonna end in November Um, yeah and to be honest I will say um, that doing the double header with France and Hungary uh, in person was exhausting so yeah I do not envy um, the mechanics who work there and who do have to do the 23 races well you're going to be in a few more races for us Sam I know you're doing a triple header um, for the Formula Nerds so that's going to be good fun for you I'm hoping to it's not yet confirmed I'm hoping to. Yeah, we just got to um, figure out so the logistics. <laughs> we do, we do. Um, so watch this space. Um, yeah. yeah, I will say the advice that I have for you is the airport after the Grand Prix is when the multiverse opens, um, because I found myself at like nine in the evening explaining how to use the Burger King um, thing. The, iP- the large know. iPad thing. Oh, yeah, the t- exactly. The, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. To a but. Williams engineer. <laughs> <laughs> and I've never felt so proud, smart in my life. Um, which is very, it, it's a good contrast because the other side of the weekend is that when you get in with your car, you are on the same kind of road of um, the F1 drivers and the fans will just look Look into the car to see who's driving and see that you're not like Lando Norris or something and just have the disappointment look on their face. I'm I'm also sorry I'm not Lando Norris. I do think life would have been easier, but I, I don't know. Just don't look at me like that. I'm sorry. Didn't, didn't you say you also bumped into Omar Safnauer at um, Burger King? Yeah, exactly. Well, the Burger King was a really crowded place yesterday, to be honest. Yes, the whole Williams team was there. The whole Sky team was there. Naomi Schiff was there eating dinner. So, yeah. I, um, I walked past 
Susie Wolf being shown how to use one of those electric scooters <laughs> by one of her <laughs> no team. No way! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, to be honest, they could have only been there for like a minute or two, but like, yeah, it was a quite diligently being like, right, you do this and you do this and off you go. Um, so, yeah, that was my one of my many fun interactions over the weekend. Um, well, listen, guys, um, Sam, thank you so much for um, all your coverage of the Formula E event this weekend in London. Um, obviously, make sure you check that out. We've got loads of exclusives on the website from the drivers. Get there, formulanerds.com. Um, and Delilah, you have mingled with the heroes this weekend over in um, uh, Hungary. So um, thank you again for all of your coverage. Thank you. And we will continue to bring you all of this great stuff. Sam, this is your part. Where, where can they find good stuff? Well, you can find it, as Ollie said, at formulanerds.com. We are, of course, on socials. Uh, so Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, and, but most importantly for, for us right now on the podcast are the two podcasts. So obviously this is the Cut to the Race podcast. Um, so it's our main feature podcast, but we also have News from the Nerds, which is our midweek news show from the Formula Nerds. So uh, check it out on Spotify, um, iTunes podcasts, iTunes, Apple podcasts. iTunes ended about 10 years ago. <laughs> I, I don't, I'm, a, I'm a Spotify person. I, I am as well. Called. I am. Um, we, we got it on Amazon. You can even ask that woman... Um, Alexa. I can't say it too loud because she'll um, she'll pipe up Actually, in the background. Yeah. But uh, you, you can ask Alexa to play it. Any, do it. any repu- reputable podcast platform. Indeed, indeed. So we will review the Belgium Grand Prix on the 28th of August. Until then, we'll bring you some other spicy stuff. We've got some people that might turn up for an interview. But for now, it is goodbye. Thank you, Delilah. Thank you. It was very good to be here, um, despite the lack of sleeping hours lately. <laughs> but yeah, good stuff. And thank you, sir. Thanks. See you soon. See you next week. Goodbye. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out, and away we go. Sports Social Podcast Network.